I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the All Stats Aren't We review of the Arsenal and Leicester game and a preview of the Fulham home game. I'm Darren Driver and I'm not planning an immediate change. And I'm here with Martin Riley, the Crescencio Somerville of the podcast. It's an early appearance for him and we may have given him too much responsibility at this stage. And finally, the Matthias click of the podcast the substitute we always turn to. It's the reliable, the stalwart, the most probably broken and or hungover. Tom Alderson, how are you doing, Taldo? I'm good, thanks, Darren. Yeah, I'm somewhat broken, definitely hungover. Mm. So, yeah. I, I went, to flight, did... went to Flight Club last night, which if no one's, if someone hasn't been, I can highly recommend. I really enjoyed it. It was much better is than that, I thought it was going to be. Is that that axe-throwing place? No, it's the, it's the darts, the darts-throwing place. Oh. <laughs> okay. So, so, the, it's, so what what you went to Tom is a pub with some dartboards. No, there's like games and stuff, Darren. <laughs> it's it's fun. It's, it's right. Fun. I I I'm old, right? So what what I want from my pub is like a, a dartboard in the corner, um, and a pool table and a jukebox that plays some good songs, and that's it. What el- what else could you possibly need, Tom? What about dartboards on every corner? No, it's be too much. Too much hazard, I think. Okay. Too much hazard. Yeah. No. Um, but I'm. But I'm glad you had a nice time. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, you'd, you'd quite like my local pub where I go. Actually, that's definitely a pub that you, it sounds like you'd you'd like mm. it. Yeah. Um. I don't drink anymore. So they, did they do a nice alcohol-free beer? I've never asked. Okay. Well, can you find out next time? And then when I come to the stock part, yeah, we can we can uh, we can do that. Yeah. Martin, um, what what uh, what did you throw last night? <laughs> <laughs> Um, nothing really. Uh, myself at my computer while I've been playing the new Football Manager. Mm. That's about it. Watched a bit of Fulham, and yeah, that was my evening last night. Excellent, excellent, excellent. And uh, yeah, I, d- I don't know whether there's any big news to um, to talk about. Really, I think not we yet. All know anyway. Well, <laughs> we all know the state of play, Tom, don't we? Um, which is that uh, Leeds United are in extremely poor form and there are significant questions around the management of the team and um, and questions about how the team is playing. And we're going to get to all of those uh, in, in due course. Um, so without further ado, let us get to our review 
of the um, Arsenal and Leicester games. <clears throat> and we'll start with the interrogation. So in the interrogation, I'm going to ask the, ask the guys five questions. And um, I've largely chosen listener questions here because I felt that going through a specific tactical review um, of, the, of the Leeds games recently wasn't necessarily going to be helpful. As Tom pointed out beforehand, most of the games are the same. So there's not a huge amount of interesting tactical nuance for us to discuss and to talk about. And there are some pretty big questions around at the moment that I think it's more important that we talk about than, than the specifics. So we're going to start with Bert's question. Thanks for your question, Bert. Bert says, how can we play so well against Arsenal, but look so shit against Palace, Leicester, etc.? So let's just focus largely on the Arsenal and Leicester game because I feel like they're too sort of, yeah, that's, they're quite indicative of where we're at. So what, what, what are you making of this, Martin? Yeah, it's a, it's a funny one how we probably won't be expected to do well against these big attack sides. But I think one thing I would note is possibly Jesse maybe does do a, maybe a decent job of motivating them for these bigger matches, playing up to the underdog mantra, that kind of thing. So I think that could be at play mm. when you talk about the intangibles. Mm. Um, as well, the bigger teams are less likely to want to play around our press. They'll have a specific way of playing and they won't want to deviate from that because it's a long-term process. Not many big teams will deviate individually game by game unless your team is managed by Graham Potter. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the, the two teams that we've come against who have done well against Arsenal and Chelsea and both those teams refused to deviate from their build-up style mm-hmm. which made, made it easier for us to get most out of our strength which is obviously our press and with the other teams like how you mentioned there Palace and Leicester they were more willing to go a little bit longer maybe not direct but just clipping balls to the, each side uh, playing it around rather than trying to go through it so yeah, I think it's it's just one of those things which is a part of this playstyle, and it's I think that I don't see a way of changing it unless Jesse is going to want to make adaptations to the way he wants his team to set up mm. as well. It seemed to me, Tom, that against Arsenal, Jesse did make some adaptations to to the way that to the way that we pressed into our defensive style. It seemed to me that against Arsenal, that there were significant chunks of the game where we were actually pressing in more of a four three three mid block than 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 what you'd expect normally expect to see from us, which would be much more gung ho, much higher, much much more trying to 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 counter press in really in really high positions. But then against Leicester, um it seemed to me that what happened was Leicester tried to kind of play the ball around and, and to try and build up initially, realised that wasn't going to work, started going over the top of the press, and then we were back in the same situation that we're always in when a team does that, where we where we are then reluctant to commit the bodies that we need forward to do our counter press. And but but also don't kind of get into a block effectively, so so it makes it really easy for the opponent to to go over the top and particularly into wide areas and and on the other night particularly into our left left side of our defence where it seemed like there were there was oceans and oceans of space. How did you see it? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with all that. I think it was actually um, Dan Holdsworth who who said that potentially we could see the four three three used us. Um, Marsh switched to the four three three to sort of have players that can cover it into those wide areas, um, rather than having the two the double pivot um, and having that because it's like very narrow. It leaves the wide areas open, and I think that that mm-hmm. did work against Arsenal because I think they they were very much they couldn't even go go around it like it had to be over to to sort mm-hmm. of get any attacks going or 
sort of nothing at all because we managed to press them in build up. Um, yeah, then I say against against Leicester, they as as most teams have done this season, they've sort of figured out fairly quickly that just just like don't don't even bother trying to build up because it's it just plays into our hands. And because mm. we've gone back to sort of that two rather than the three. They were. I saw they were kind of hitting balls. They could hit balls into the channels much easier, either like going over it, or they could sort of pass it, play it to a fullback, hit it into the to Barnes, or I think it was was it Pratt who was playing on the other side, and they just made mm. made it easier for them to do that. And then we didn't adapt to that at all, and we don't see, don't seem to have a plan if that if that happens really. Mm, mm. Yeah, we do seem we do seem pretty clueless um but i think i think martin this kind of speaks to something that we've said quite often about about um jesse marsh's league united which is that that our success in games is almost entirely dependent on on the opposition and what they choose to do and that that if they if their approach to the game doesn't suit doesn't inherently suit the way that Leeds united want to play which is making chances through counter pressing then really we're kind of seem seem to be incredibly limited yeah exactly um it's a thing if you cut off our biggest strength which is the high press and creating chances through that it does make things very difficult for us to create strong chances um it's just because the decision making when we are in um, in possession around the box has hasn't been good um, unless we are in some sort of high quick turnover from a from a pressing moment Mm. so it does make things difficult for us to really generate mm. anything which is going to be consistent and repeatable mm. because it's not something which can be repeated all, all the time mm. with the high pressing because like we said before many times now that teams have a way to get mm. around it Tom uh, this is a question that's not on the running order so I'm going to throw it at you and if you don't want to answer it don't don't but but it seems to me that particularly since the Brentford game a recurring theme of our game is probably taking the Arsenal game out of this but but a recurring theme has been glaring individual errors in defensive areas leading to good chances and goals for the opposition um, and and I I wonder if you if you've got any um ideas about why that might be happening tactically or or is it just to do with individual players having harebrained moments in crucial in crucial moments at the moment? I'd say it's a, both like in individual stuff and as a result of the tactics because there isn't really sort of a, def, a defined plan in build up apart from sort of be to be direct. I think unless I'm probably underplaying mm. it a bit there, but like for example, I think mm. like Rock Rockers. Um, he moved into the sort of the fullback area as he did does usually, and then. When when there's not a pass on, he's like he's got to ha- hold onto the ball because he's like he's been told to get the ball forward, or like there's some sort of like he doesn't want to go back. So I think that's like that was a, one of those things where it was a bit of both. So I, I don't I don't think you can pin it all on individuals. I think the tactics have some some part to play in that. But then there's the yeah. there's stuff there's stuff like in like for example Christensen for Leicester's second goal, like coming across there, that's just, I don't think that's tactics, I think that's just an individual thing, so I think i think you can blame both things there. But that's one of the more repeatable things we've seen this season, right Martin, which is that, that teams pull our defence over to one side, they isolate someone on the far side, knowing that our full-back is going to come into a more central area, and then they've got the run of the box, right? That That's that's a goal that, that we've conceded like countless times under Marsh already, right? Yeah, it is something which has been clearly targeted, and I think that showed especially in the Leicester game. Um, quite early on in that game, I noticed on the rewatch that they were targeting our left side to try to get in behind mm. there and to make most of the 
immobility of um, Furpo because um, he when he he's slow to react to those moments and even even when um, Pascal has been playing on that side it, even then it, he still had difficulties mm. to accommodate that because he also isn't as mobile as some some defenders but it's so easy to take advantage of that weakness in, in the system with the how na- narrow we defend because it does seem so it could be Christensen is moving a bit too narrow but to me I think that is how the the system wants you to, to, to behave I think it's emphasising that, that narrowness both in and out of possession so it's almost ingrained in you that you need to get as tight as possible which leaves so much space and so many times Barnes was in acres of space even when they didn't use it he was still there just in yards of space all around him and all it would take was a quick move over to take advantage of that so and it was it was happening with Martinelli as well even in the Arsenal game right there were tons of times when he was in, in acres of space when the ball was on the right hand side and if there had been a quick switch would have been in all sorts of bother um, anyway so um, here's a question from Fraser, which I think is an interesting one and which touches on a lot of this because I've seen a lot of criticism of individual players, particularly Bamford, for the, for the chances that he's missed in the last couple of games. Um, and so Fraser's question is, we've won the last two games on XG, um, also should be five points better off on the same metric. Um, and he's asking if we're all going a bit over the top in terms of the criticisms of Marsh. Um, and uh, is it just... And he says that this is all stats, aren't we? His favourite word is this just variance? Um, are we just running cold at the moment? I guess is the is the question. So, Tom, what what do you make of this? And and I guess an opportunity to talk about um, the chances that we have missed in the, in the last couple of games. Yeah, I think I, I wish John was here because he would. He's gonna. I'm gonna probably butcher this compared to how he would answer this question. <laughs> um, but I I think with the XG numbers at the moment, I think that the Red Bull sort of play Red Bull style play kind of does inflate them to an extent because it to me it's more we end up creating loads of little chances because it's like win the ball snapshot or get mm. the ball off hit a shot rather than creating those repeatable big chances that we saw under like the first couple of years of Bielsa so I think mm. you, you could say like we've won the last two games on XG but the way the way we play it's like it creates a chaotic game style so like if you can't complain that we win on XG but lose because we've played. We, we're trying to create the game, make the game chaotic. And if the the just the the shots in the game don't go in our favour, we've decided that's like how we want it to go. So I don't think you can really say about that. Um, I think five points better off. That's I've never really liked ex- expected points as a as a metric because I just don't. Think, I think it, there's so much noise in single game XG stuff that it's. Mm. It's net like that's just not a metric that actually has much value. I don't think you see you always see these things like expected points versus actual points. It's like it's very rarely matches up. So I think I'd, I think if you just if you watch the game rather than just look at the numbers, you'll see that the like that there's just repeatable problems happening all the time. And it's just like you can lose the numbers to sort of make yourself feel better because I think we 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 definitely did that in the Bielsa era. We said don't worry, the numbers are fine. We, it'll come good but that's because yep. the system was repeatable and it's just we were the variance was actually going against us whereas like we're playing into variance this time and it's going against us so like you can't complain about that whereas you you kind of could in the past so like it's they're not comparable things so yeah I, I don't think it's over mm. the top to criticize despite the fact that the numbers mm. are good so martin uh, as well as what tom says which is that 
um, a lot of it's cumulative because we do we do make an like quite a, we have well I I I wouldn't even say call and chances but we have a lot of shots right in in games and and a lot of them are really low value but when we do make big chances we tend to make maybe one big chance or maybe two big chances at the most and if we make more than that what they tend to happen is they tend to come in the same phase of play when the, when the box is chaotic like I'm thinking about when there was that corner against Arsenal and Ramsdale made that save and then there was another shot from an area where you'd expect you know um, where you'd expect so so to me it feels like yeah that that while we may make big chances and but it seems to all come in bunches and then when 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 we're unable to make chances like we're really unable to make chances and I, I guess that's how I see it how, how are you seeing it yeah I think you think you're right with that um the, the chances do seem to come in bunches rather than spread out throughout the game which generally makes things easier for players to finish them as well if there's mm. uh, there's added pressure when it's all coming in the same action and just to not talk about XG itself, I do think it is a poor indicator by itself as to who should win a particular game, because you could have a team generating one XG from 20 shots, and then you could have yeah. one team generating one XG from three shots, so you know yeah. which teams should be more likely based on the individual XG of the shots. Um, and the, regards to these particular two games which we're talking about I do feel that the variance was against us in the Arsenal game um, in particular yep. there was there was quite a lot of chances in that which we probably would have finished more often in other games for, for the record I really agree with that I, th- I do think we were we were unlucky against Arsenal and I, I don't want anybody listening to this to, to think that I think you know that I think otherwise we were definitely unlucky in that game yep yeah, exactly. We we were we created a lot of good chances more than Arsenal did, and we did deserve, I'd say, a, a win from that. At least a draw was yep. would have been a fair result. Um, but that is one example where we have been footballed. Um, but uh, in the Leicester game, um, some of the chances that were made were maybe overblown a little bit. Um, yeah, I think because looking at the XG from a couple of the chances which are in there, uh, there was um, I think a not point four one chance from Bamford from a Christensen cross um, I think that was that actually is higher than what it should be um, the cross was whipped into him quite hard and he he couldn't make anything from that it was too difficult to get his head, head onto it unless you were a couple of inches taller and could direct it more and then the other one was uh, Liam Cooper chance from a set piece um, so that those were the two chances which were over 0.25 XG I think and mm. That was the only two chances we made in that game. So even though we did have more XG overall against Leicester, um, those two chances weren't really ones which we should definitely be scoring from. So yeah, that's my two, two bits on that. I'll just I'll just build on that with some actual numbers because I've got it up in front of me. Um, so we had fourteen shots in the so the, so the XG score in the um, in the Leicester game according to FB Ref was zero point nine to Leeds, zero point seven to Leicester. Uh, but we had 14 shots, whereas Leicester had five. So if you look at an XG per shot, it's like ours are all small chances. Theirs are not even like massive chances, but they're considerably bigger than our chances. Well, when was the last time we made a chance as good as the one that Harvey Barnes had for their second goal? Like we we never make chances as good as that. I think there was maybe one in the in the Arsenal game, the Sinistera maybe. one, where he, in in one of the games where he slips and doesn't quite, you know, that there's that one, and maybe there's the Pat Bamford one that was similar, but but like even then they were both stretching or off balance in some way. But that ball comes to Harvey Barnes in acres of space when he's fully on his balance with nobody around him, 
just a goalkeeper to beat. We never make chances like that. Yeah, it's very rare and few and far between. Um, so here's, here's a follow-up question, right? Because the, I, I know I'm guilty of this. When I watch Jesse Marsh's team, it looks like schoolboy football to me. Everybody's crowding around the ball. Nobody's looking for any space. And I know that it's deliberate and I know that those are the tactics, but I intrinsically do not want to watch it. I don't enjoy it. I think it looks amateurish and crap. So I know that when I watch Leeds United games at the moment, I am I am definitely guilty of going, that's a stylistic thing. I don't want to watch that and, and therefore probably being overly critical as a result of that. But how much of this is about the style and, and our individual takes on the style and how much of it is it just about it being ineffective? Uh, Tom, first. I, I'm definitely guilty of that as well. Like I, I don't like watching it. Especially like, cause I, I think I've, I've gone to all of the home games this year and I just like I always feel negative at the end, even if it's like... Oh, I think when I came away for Wolves and was like, that wasn't very good, was it? So like, yeah, it is that, but I just, I don't, I still don't think it's effective. I just like, I, it's, you, there's just problems in it. There's just con- continuous problems that very rarely you see that some sort of move to try and get them, to get them fixed. So yeah, yeah I think, I, I don't think it's effective, but I, I'm definitely guilty of that. E- even like the Arsenal game, like I came away from the Arsenal game and I was like not positive about mm-hmm. it. And I, I watched it back and I was like, oh, actually, I was incredibly harsh there. Like we were definitely unlucky. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's, there's definitely a bit of both for there, which I'm, I'm probably on the same page as you, Darren, with that mm. one. Martin? Yeah, I would say same. I, I'm guilty of not having a, of having a dislike for the style. Um, and But it's not just personal preference. It's also, historically, when managers have come over to the Premier League um, playing a similarish style to um, the RB style, such as Hassan Huttle and Klopp, um, they all made adaptations to the system to give it more of in possession values to try to generate other ways of creating chances and so, it's, so you're not just relying on the counter pressing chances so it's uh, yeah that maybe i probably would be a bit more up on us if i did enjoy the, the style more um but at the same time it's not purely that that's the reason why i'm not enjoying the football at the moment it's the fact that we aren't doing anything with repeatability and yeah again yeah. that could be part of the style itself and how it creates chances but um, if, if, if most managers who do try to implement this style in the top level do make that adaptation then there's got to be something to that right? Yeah and, and the fact that we keep conceding the same goal like will never ever ever stop pissing me off and that's not a style thing that's, that's clearly a, an inherent flaw and all, all systems have got flaws right we know that we know that Bielsa's man marking system had flaws you know, all systems have got their inherent flaws, but the but the fact that we've conceded the same goal like umpteen times since Marsh came in really, really is starting to grate on me. I don't know if anyone's noticed. Um, so here's a question um, about about our attacking again, and this is this this touches on something that you just referenced, Martin. Um, so do you lads think the this is a question from Colin Forbes? Do you lads think the Red Bull system fails in the Premier League because the defenders are too good, Martin? I think that is one part of it. Um, defenders are better at playing through presses and that just makes it more difficult to generate the chances from pressing moments. And even the teams who aren't as good as the top-end top, top end teams um, have managers who are okay to just, oh, well, we'll just bypass that press, we'll just go along. We've got this more teams who I think will be willing to do that. Um, the RB system has generally been used a lot in Germany and 
in general, I think Germany went through a phase of, of really loving high-pressing gig and press-style football, which so there was a lot of teams who were doing it, and generally you'll do well if your gig and press team is facing a gig and press team. Both teams are winning the ball high, and it's beautifully chaotic, but when you've got one team who's not wanting to bother around with that sort of thing and just wants to bypass it, it's going to make things more difficult. And, yeah, that's about all I could think to say on that one. Tom, have you got any thoughts about this? Because it, it seems to me that not only are they good at playing around the playing, playing around the press, but also it seems to me that it's relatively easy to get a defensive structure and probably even just numerically um, make sure that, that, you know, like crowd centrally, make sure there's no space to get through, make sure that the little interplays don't come off, make sure that your first to second balls... Make sure that you turn leads around plenty when you do have it, so that they're always so that leads are then thinking, you know, kind of reluctant to really commit to the press um, because they know they're going to get turned around. What 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 do you think? Yeah, um, I think I don't think it's just in the Premier League that that's happening. Like you're seeing that in the Champions League, like the the Red Bull system doesn't isn't as effective um, as it is against because like defenders are probably better on the ball now than they have ever been so they can yeah, they can play around the press play over it um and just you're see, actually seeing the red bull teams generally move away from the red bull football to be effective at the high level um so yeah i, I, I think it's it's failing but just because of like the, the if a player if players are good enough they can just they can just sort of they, they, they have the ability to sort of uh, find the weaknesses in the system mm. that you probably don't have at a lower level but like I, I, d- I definitely agree with what you said about the defending as well Darren that like it's because it's fe- if you are a good defender like there's the stuff that you have to do to cause this system problems for a team in attack it's like it's it's not hard to do that so I, f- I think uh, yeah at a high level the rebel system is just not it, it doesn't really work as it does against mm. lower level teams. And that's proven if you look at Marsh's managerial career, right? So is it New York Red Bulls has success there? That's not, you know, it's pr- probably quite a, a limited level. Has success at Salzburg. Uh, but again, you know, the, 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 I, I can, you know, you would imagine that it's not the, the most difficult thing in the world to, um, to put together a really successful team in that division. Leipzig fails at Leipzig, really doesn't doesn't adapt, doesn't um, have any success there. And then here in the Premier League, it seems that the style is, is again, really kind of not, not working. So I think I think the answer to, to Colin's question is pretty self-evident, although it might not just be about the quality of the individual defender so much as about the quality of the coaching, about the quality of the team, about the tactical plans that teams come into games with. Um and Adam of this parish asks a question. So, um, and it's not really a question; it's more of a discussion point. But it's found interesting to note is that we said at the end of last season that this football, at best, probably makes us flat track bullies against the bad teams around us, but struggles against the better ones. But we're actually seeing the opposite of that. That 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 the Arsenal, though we did beat we did beat a really bad, uh, really bad Chelsea uh, on that day. Um, but Adam's saying that we we do look better in those games, but we look terrible against the sides around us who don't even attempt to play through the press. So I guess the question underpinning that is like you know we sort of said I think last season that the best you could really hope for was this system was to finish like upper mid table, maybe win ten, twelve games. Um, uh, what are you thinking about that now, Tom? What what do you think the best possible case scenario for this season is? Yeah, I'd, I mean, not getting relegated at the moment, personally, is our best case scenario for the season. Um, that this was really, really interesting when um, Adam because he put it in our chat, and I, I 
I've thought about it, and I think just towards the end of last season, because there wasn't really much going on tactically, to be honest, that because our our players, our, our individuals, were generally better than the individuals around us, as the other teams around us. So like we were, we were good against the teams around us, just because I think we had better players, and a lot of the teams were in as much of a mess as we were. Um, and then when we played the big teams, we just got turned over. And that, now that like Marsh has implemented his style, they were definitely better than we were at the end of last season. It's now now it's clear teams it's clear to teams how to beat us. So the teams at the bottom just go, yeah, we're just going to do that. And the I'd like to say repeat on the last question now, but like the big teams are just are going to play into our hands a bit. So I think that's why it's switched compared to the end of last year. Okay, so we got a question from Gap, which is, can we focus on how Rocker Adams? Aronson, Sinistera and Christensen are an improvement on the squad from last season. Um, not enough, but it is a positive, whoever the manager is. What do you make of this, Tom? Um, yeah, I think definitely if you compare the squad from last year to this year, there's definitely more bulk to it. Like if it felt at points last well, last year, it was kind of like Rafinha or Bust. And that, that would kind of show that when Marsh came in that it didn't feel like there was a lot for him to work with. Whereas now that you've got a much sounder mid midfield too in Rocker and Adams compared to like what was kind of left of Forshaw and Phillips when he was fit. It's definitely an improvement. Like Sinister as well, whilst I don't think it's as good as Rafinha at the moment, he definitely provides that quality on the ball that we we lost when Rafinha went. And then Aronson um, obviously suits this style of football probably more than anyone else in the squad. So, and I think when if a new manager came in, like I've, I've he's. I think over the last two games, actually, I've noticed that his ability on the ball is much higher like than that I initially saw, and maybe that's just something that he's sort of as he's got up to speed has improved. So I think there's definitely he'll definitely be something that um, either Marsh or a new manager can work with um, to do well. I'm I'm still not sold on Christensen to be honest. I think there's there's been quite a lot of stuff that he needs to improve on, and I think. If you compare him to where Ailing was, like I'd, he's just not at that level for me. But that might just be something that, that comes with time, and hopefully he can be a, a reliable mm. member of the squad. So yeah, it is definitely better this year all round than it was last year. Mm. What are you making about this, Martin? Because I, I think I think whilst it is important to acknowledge that they, that we have bought, brought in some good players, there are a couple of couple of things around this for me. One of which is that it's no good having better players if it doesn't cohere into an effective unit. And I do realise that I am turning a positive question into a negative one, so you'll just have to bear with me because that is what I do. Um, And the other point, I guess, for me is that would a serious football club have gone into this season with one professional left-back at the entire club, including in the under-21s, and with with the problems that we've got at striker? What are you making of that? Yeah, that is a good point um, that the individual improvements and the overall squad build is improved from last season. Um, there is some improvements both in the midfield areas, we've got more bodies there, and overall I think the, there is improvements for the style. Uh, Carbon Phillips didn't fit it as well as these new players do. Um, but like you say, if if it does, if the, the style which it's been used for isn't as good as the players themselves or that getting the most out of them then it won't make much difference really to yeah. how we're going to do it too but it could well be good that a new manager if they do decide to change managers that there is still a lot of players in this squad who would be able to work under different management I believe um, Mark Rocker especially I think would really really shine in a more possession orientated system um, and Aronson I think he could well 
do well in the wide areas in that sort of, in a more wider system rather than centrally. So yeah, I think that overall it would be better for whatever new manager comes in with the squad that we've currently got now compared to the end of last season. Yeah. Good point. Uh, and Josie asks a question about this, actually. So Josie says, um, OK, not which manager, but what tactical style do you think we should be playing, which would A, fit in with our evolution and B, suit our players and you're allowed one new player in January? Martin, go. Well, I think I'd rather have something which is more tactical, flexible, which plays with more width than what we've been playing with now. That is one of the things which changed massively between um, Bielsa and Marsh is that we went from playing with width to the total opposite of having none at all. And I think if we were to bring in a man who would be able to make use of wider areas, because there's a lot more teams in this league who do have vulnerabilities in wider areas. And I think that would be able to help us do better against a lot of teams around our level because it's harder to find um, full-backs who are both good at the defensive job and at the attacking job unless you are at the high-level clubs who can afford to buy these players who are good at both. And I think one player which could be brought in, maybe a better attacking midfielder and someone who is more secure in possession, similar to Pablo, someone who is more reliable in possession and can pick apart defences when they are playing a bit lower than what we would be able to do well against. Mm. What do you make of this, this Tom? What, what would you like to see? How would you like to see this develop? You know, let, let's assume that at some point we are going to move on from Marsh and I'm not saying whether that's now or, or later, but but um, yeah, what what do you want to turn up to Ellen Road to see? Yeah, it was when Bielsa left, it was really frustrating that they went with the intensity part of his football rather than the attacking, good, good attacking side of his football um, because I just think like if a new manager came in, I'd, I'd want someone who would sort of Go away from. Well, still you can you can still play attacking football and have the intensity as we know. Um, mm. But I just don't think the intensity is the be all and end all. So I just want to see a team that's like can do the in possession stuff, can sort of is more, like can break a team down rather than just run around a lot. And I re- I really hope that they didn't when they were replacing the manager, they didn't go oh Leeds fans like running, let's get someone that team together that runs a lot. Because we actually really did enjoy the attacking side of Bielsa's football as well, rather than the mm. run all, run all over the pitch aspect of it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. If that's what they learn from Bielsa's football, then maybe they need to go <laughs> go back and rewatch some of those tapes. They're right? even more stupid than I thought they were. Yeah, indeed. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. 
Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Indeed. Anyway, so I'm bored of talking about how bad Leeds United are for a moment, so we'll come back to doing that when we talk about the Fulham game. Um, but, but one final question that was sent in by our friend Sam Bailey is this. Martin, what is your favourite scary movie? Well, first of all, nothing at the moment scares me as much as watching Leeds United play football. <laughs> um, but <laughs> in regards to actual films, uh, I wouldn't say I have a particularly favourite scary movie. I'm a big fan of the horror genre and scary movies in general, and I do tend to enjoy a good gore fest, and I think the Saw series are probably the pinnacle of the gore fest horror area. That's what I like. Martin says the Saw franchise. Tom Alderson, what do you think? I absolutely hate scary movies. I like the the, th- the thing I'm probably what well, I'm most afraid of being afraid. Like I hate jump scare stuff. So I like I would never choose to watch a scary movie. People make me watch them because they can laugh at me watching them. <laughs> but the the one that I think probably the best one I've watched is if is a film called It Follows, and it's basically the the yeah the concept of it. If you haven't seen it, it's basically like if like there's this sort of supernatural entity that follows you. And the only way to get rid of it is to have, if you have sex with someone else, it then passes on to them, and then they it follows them instead. That actually shit me up for for like for months. Like I was just mm. afraid of it. It just it was, but it's, it was such a weird concept that I actually found it like a good film to watch. And uh, what what I like about this is, of course, that all members of All Stats aren't we? Are massive virgins, so we'd we'd never be in yeah. that situation where we have. So we're all scared of sex. <laughs> so like that's why because of that film. Give me XG <laughs> over a woman any day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um anyway so yeah so that 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 film that you mentioned there tom fits into what is what is kind of known as the elevated horror genre and i'm a big fan of what what they might call elevated horror there's no such thing as elevated horror all horror is the horror of ideas right like let's let's get to that but my favorite is the babadook i love the Bab- the Babadook, I think that's an incredibly good film good uh, choice i've never heard yeah that. and it starts off as like a sort of um, as a, it, you think when you watch it, you think you're watching a kind of spooky child movie. Another you know, million spooky children movies over the years, um, and in fact, it's not that at all. Uh, and it's brilliant and 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 superb. Um, so do uh, check that out if you want the Halloween scare fest. Anyway, th- speaking, I really like I, li- I really like Get Out as well. I'll say that's, Get Out's that's brilliant. Really Get out, yeah, Get Out is brilliant. And the shout out for Jaws, which I know is an old movie. And probably not even really a horror, but it is scary as anything if you watch it, it in scary, the right conditions. Yeah, yeah. really yeah. big shark, like, yeah, definitely big, scary. Definitely. <laughs> uh, I, w- I was swimming in in the in the sea in Maine once, um, and and then I remembered probably don't do that because you might get eaten <laughs> by a big shark. And then in the same bay where I was swimming, there have been a number of shark attacks subsequently. Um, so I won't be doing that again. Um, anyway, let's talk about the Fulham game. Speaking of things which scare me. Um, the big fin of Alexander Mitrovic <laughs> coming into the back post uh, is, is quite a scary concept. Um, okay, so Martin, you've watched Fulham play. How yes. do they play? I have indeed. Um, I watched their game against um, Bournemouth, which was actually a really fun game to watch. It ended to all. Um, Fulham, they're, sort of, they're playing a 4 2 3 1, um, which is pretty standard for a few teams. Um, it's quite mid-blockish um, but they do have moments where they do press higher 
and they've got two midfielders one Palinia who sits a little deeper than Harrison Reed in early build-up he occasionally drop between defenders which could help them, help them to deal with our high press but he does also get quite advanced when in possession around the box as well. Um, I did note that there's some interesting things their fullbacks do on the right-hand side. Um, Bobby Dekadova-Reed has switched to being a right-back now, which I did not know at all. He oh. was their, I think, central midfielder and attacking midfielder for a while. Um, but yeah, so he's been playing on the right-back side for them, and he inverts a lot, and Harrison Reed, who's on that right side, will switch and play right back quite quite often I've noticed and then Reed will often attack the half, half space while the winger on that side sticks wide so yeah that's, that could be quite an interesting thing for our left side to deal with um, and <laughs> yeah it worried me and on, on the left side uh, they tend to be a bit more standard with their way they attack the full back will overlap on the left trying to hit the byline to cross because they want to try to make most of Mitrovic and how he does attack the box and he especially will be a big threat to us um, no matter who is responsible for marking him um, they're going to have a tough a tough game there in the more central areas Andreas Pereira um, formerly of Man United is their attacking midfielder who does like to have a bit of a free they've got quite a free role to be honest he does move a lot over to the wings more over to the left side so that could, so that could be something which our right hand defenders may struggle with at times because he does move around a lot um, but yeah that's about my limit of my observations against Fulham Excellent. So, Tom, how do you expect Leeds to line up? Are we going to go? Are we going to stick to the the? the is it going to be the usual the four two three one that sometimes hybridizes into a four triple two? Um, try put them under it because I I don't think they're the best at, at you know I think I think we could get at them this team if we if we're if we're able to get the press working. So is that what you're expecting? Yeah, I think it'll be the four two three one. Um, I'm wondering if I'm wondering if they'll sort of, we'll see a pattern of when the four three three is used because mm. obviously sorry against Arsenal I think I don't know if there's been another occasion but I wonder if it's something that we'll see maybe against bigger teams where we think we're going to need to be a bit, bit more solid um, or like to make it harder for them to get out rather than um, against matches rather than in matches where we think we can have a better chance of winning mm. and Tom have a go at um, the lineup. yep so it'll be Melier Christensen uh, Stroke still injured so I think it'll still be Furpo, um, Cock, and I imagine it'll be Urente again. I don't know. It seems to be. It doesn't seem to be a pattern of when that ha- that happens. Um, obviously, then it'll be Rocker and um, Adams, and I think it'll be Aronson, Sinistera. I think Somerville will keep his place. I think he was probably one of the few positives on um, Thursday. I, th- I also think like we maybe um, Marsh has realised that Harrison doesn't really suit that right-hand side role as much as he does on the left. So I think I would be, if Somerville had another go, I think that would be a fair shout. And then it, I'd, it'd be a case of whether he starts with Bamford or he brings him on as part of the match plan. Um, so I'm going to say he'll start with Rodrigo and then bring Bamford on, mm. mainly because also Bamford's missed a fair few chances and he seems to respond to that sort of thing, doesn't mm. he? Mm. He does. He's quite reactive, isn't he? Like... Um... Like like, like like a, like a dog when the postman comes to the door, like he's just you know it's just he'll just arf, yeah. arf, arf, and then uh, run around for a bit and then lick his balls and go to sleep. Um, <laughs> but uh, oh, sorry, it's a different thing. Um, okay, so yeah, and what did you make of Tom's predicted lineup, Martin? Any any advances? 
Yeah, I can't see it being too much different than that. Um, if Somerville isn't obviously to start, I think he probably will go with Harrison to to replace him. Um, I know it actually. I don't think a lot of people said much about this, but in the Arsenal game, Harrison played in the middle as an attacking midfielder for for most of the game. Um, so I'm, I wonder if he does do similar to that. But I would quite like to see how Sinistera would do in the middle as opposed to. Um, Aronson or Harrison I, th- I do think that he has such good quality on the ball especially in t- tight areas I do think that could be helpful to us but we'll just see what um, Jesse decides to do but yeah I think what, what Tom said will probably be it Excellent, so how do we manage Fulham's threats Martin? Uh, well there's a few things, so I think first of all we could do with keeping someone tight to uh, Andreas Pereira, he's been their most creative player so far and mm-hmm. although he hasn't got their most assists, him he has uh, generated their most expected assists. So I do, do think that that is something we need to be aware of, and I'd probably keep Adams quite close by to him. Um, but their biggest threat is Mitrovic by a uh, long margin. So if we can try to minimise the, the the balls to him, uh, if we can try to c- get a handle on the left on, the, on our left side, <laughs> I'm hoping Pascal is fit and able to play because that will help things. Um, and also I think defending set pieces as well I did notice when I was watching them that they do have some pretty good delivery from set pieces again from Pereira so if we can do well at managing those set pieces and hopefully not wrestling too much with Mitrovic because I have noticed that he is quite good at winning penalties from those moments where an aggressive defender puts their hands on him and I don't think our defenders will do well with that no no, I think they'll both lose the wrestling match and uh, and give away penalties. Okay, um, Tom, where are Fulham going to be vulnerable? Where can we get at them? Um, so if they pass out from the back, we can press them. And I think that's about it, really. Because <laughs> if you've listened to the rest of the podcast, that's kind of how these things work at the moment. <laughs> I'm anyway, not going to pretend there's another way. Okay, <laughs> have, have, you, have you got any other ideas, Martin? Can you... Can you post them through to Jesse Marsh if you've got any well if we do decide to not press as high because I do think that Fulham will try to bypass that that, that press and I think, think they will be more inclined to go along, they've got a big target in Mitrovic to mm. win aerial balls so I, I do think that they will be quite willing to go longer so if we do what, decide to maybe go over more of a mid-block just to limit passing options rather than stifling their build-up that could actually help us and also if when we do win the ball back we can attack quickly um, their defence is quite vulnerable to quick attacks um, mm. especially oh, I forget what his name is but one of their centre-backs who's been with them for quite a while um, I think he's 35 is it uh, Reem? what's his name? anyone remember his name? he's been with them for quite a while now but no, anyway, one of their defenders is um, knocking on a bit and if we can try to target wherever he is going to be with a bit of pace, I think we could get some joy from, from that. Okay, so some transitional, possible transitional attacking joys. So, uh, Martin, what's this game of football going to be like to watch? Describe the pattern of the game. Well, I think it depends how Fulham decides to approach it. Um, if they do decide to sit back a bit more, um, then... It won't be that open, and we may struggle to break them down. And but if they do decide to play out from the back, because they did, did like to play out the back from when I watched them, but they were at home against Bournemouth, so they probably would be more willing to play out more than against us. So, but if they do play out more, it could be quite an open game, and we could be seeing quite a lot of transitions f- from both sides. And 
one of the goals which happened in the game I watched was from quite a quick break from for, for, for Bournemouth. So I do think that they will be both ended, but depending on how they approach it, it depends on what they do more than anything as to what the game will look like. And Tom, where will the game be won or lost? Um, in the way Fulham play. <laughs> if, if if Fulham decide to pass out from the back or not, basically. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like that's that's how these games go at the moment, isn't it? It is. It is, Martin. So I feel like I'm repeating myself here, but whoever can make the most of quick transitions, if we can make the most of our transitions and score from them, then we'll win. If they do the same, then they'll probably win, especially if they get an early goal, because um, we've shown that when opposition get an early goal, we don't tend to respond too well to it, and it does mm. set us back, especially with the current mentality of the squad. We seem to break apart a bit when the, their goals happened against Leicester the other day and yeah so it's going to be quite interesting mm. well this has been an incredibly cheerful hour of my life boys thank you thank you so much for for uh, for your time uh, I, I'm feeling loads better about no I'm not I'm feeling worse than I was before about <laughs> Leeds United well. <laughs> but uh, but but anyway with as I've always said about all stats aren't we we are not um, we are not miserable we are not uh you know, when we we are romantic realists, that's what we are. We are romantic realists, and that's why we that's why we'll continue to operate for as long as we can keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, all that's left to do is to say thank you very much to you, Tom. Thank you very much, and thank you very much to you, Martin. Thank you as well, Dan. Bye, everybody. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.